Welcome to Celestial Small Talk with Alice and CJ. Celestial Small Talk refers to the big ideas, profound revelations, and deep connections that are created in the briefest of encounters. It is often in these moments that an imperceptible shift in thought can bring about the biggest change, helping us to more fully embody our intuition. We strive to inspire, illuminate, question, provoke, and spark the unique constellation within. Hi, Celestial Small Talk listeners. This is CJ, and we are coming at you after a tiny little break because we realized we didn't need to put out three episodes in May. So we're really excited to come to you during this Gemini season for a new conversation between myself and Alice. Alice, how are you today? What's on your heart and mind? I'm feeling pretty good. I feel like a lot of the chaotic energy of Mercury retrograde sort of slowed down. And I have been able to explore many different wonderful things, creative things during the retrograde. This happens to me a lot, which is really interesting because I do experience all the delays and the miscommunications and, you know, all these other things. But I also get these like surges of like ideas every time it happens. I try to not jump on every single idea because that's not the point of retrograde. You're supposed to like finish your other projects before you start something new. But I just, I love it. I love it when I'm feeling inspired. I'm going through really fun, creative experiments. Yeah, I'm very, very excited to get to more of it today. How about you? What's on your heart and mind? Thanks for the reminder that in Mercury Retrograde, you're not supposed to start a lot of new stuff because I did feel like I was doing uh, a lot of loose ends, uh, sort of tying them up. But I also got those surges of creativity that I at least put some feelers out for, but didn't dive right into, which is something that I do tend to do. I start things really well, but don't always have the stamina to finish them. But today I'm doing well. Um, We are hearing maybe a little bit of construction in the background while I'm talking. So thanks for your uh, patience and just understanding of life. I have had a couple of just really important realizations about healing in relationships that I kind of wanted to talk about today. And I decided to light a candle for harmony because I know in the past I've talked about my goal of integrating a lot of different parts of me. And this feels sort of like the stage I just wanted to set for this conversation of relational healing. So wherever you find yourselves, take a nice deep breath in. And exhale. Harmony now radiates through my mind, body, and emotions. The magical flow now consumes my entire being. I am calm, relaxed, and at peace. Universal harmony now becomes my constant companion. Another deep breath in. And exhale. So I didn't pull any cards to get started, but I saw you jotting down notes. Alice, did uh, relational healing uh, bring up anything for you already? 
I mean, does it ever not? <laughs> um, my whole life has been about healing in relationships. I have a lot of abandonment issues and rejection issues, and it's come up actually recently as well as Mercury, as Mercury went retrograde in my 11th house of friendship, relationship, association, networking groups and things like that. There's been a lot of things that's happening in that area. My, I'm not sure if I mentioned this in the last episode or not, but you know, somebody who's been a contractor put in her resignation. So I was freaking out for a minute, but I was like, you know what? It's making space for something else. And I did find somebody who's absolutely wonderful and actually more perfect for the job. So I'm very excited for her to um, sign the contract and for us to get started. I feel like we would be incredible friends. And I've been put in the position to revisit a few of my friendships. This has been kind of like the theme of my life. And sometimes I get really emotional over it because it's like, I feel like this might be for the rest of my life. It's what I just kind of have to deal with. You know, starting, I always start off so strong in relationships and in friendships. Like I dive in, I put myself out there, I make tons of effort and not a lot of times it's reciprocated. So once I start feeling like, okay, I'm probably not that high on the priority list for them because after I, you know, reach out several times and like, offering so many opportunities to connect, they're sort of choosing something else. And for me, it's like, okay, maybe I need to rearrange that friendship into some other category. You know, that's been kind of like my process recently. And then I do notice that every time, every time something happens in like a group or like a friendship kind of situation, I get super emotional. And recently I sort of told myself that my family was falling apart because people were moving away and other people, there's just been like some frictions that's happening in our friend groups. And I'm just like, oh no, it's happening. Like I just get there immediately when it's probably not that serious, you know? But that's been like something I need to remind myself to like, okay, calm down, you're fine. <laughs> this happens, this is normal. But obviously because of all the things that's happened in the past with my other relationships, my other close relationships that, you know, I sort of just, I go there first thing. I can understand that. And I was pulling from my newest tarot deck called the Corruption Tarot. It's a really interesting deck where all of the traditional upright meanings are reversed. And so the artist chose to depict the reversals as the upright meanings. And the Ace of Cups came out while you were talking reversed, which usually means you're talking about the sense of depth and compassion and connection. And something that I read in the guidebook that I hadn't really connected before says the traditional Ace of Cups is usually depicted as an overflowing cup with five streams, the senses, and represents love, deep feelings, compassion, new connections, and energies flowing outward. And I hadn't really thought about that in terms of the five senses, but I've, I've been doing a lot of um, thinking about sort of the five different ways to care for oneself. And when you think about having needs, you can talk about your physical needs, your spiritual needs, your emotional needs, your cognitive needs, but then there's this 
very real need for social or relational connection. And the thing that you brought up about your perception and the stories of what has happened in the past with relationships and how that echoes in sort of the present tense of what is currently happening in relationships really resonates with me. And uh, the, the two instances that sort of brought this topic to mind for me were one being around my partner's family this weekend. And his aunt is a very highly intuitive um, woman who was just like, I can tell that the two of you are really good for each other because you give each other space to be who you are without trying to change it. So there's a very clear CJ on the one hand, CJ's partner on the other hand, and then this relationship between us that exists, but we don't ever decide to collapse ourselves into that relationship. And we're still sort of on our unique healing and self-improvement journeys, like sort of in parallel lanes, which has been a really unique situation for me personally in like a romantic relationship. Um, and the other thing that happened was that I started going to therapy for the first time ever in my life. And, and the reason is because I went through this training to become a trauma-informed professional and this, this training center called NARM, which stands for the Neuroaffective Relational Model, they train psychotherapists and other caregivers, healing professionals in this trauma-informed way of sort of um, approaching what is getting in the way of what we most want for ourselves. And I was talking with the therapist about how I have been on this healing journey for years now. And I knew that what I needed to focus on was developing that relational safety within myself, like trusting my inner knowing and my intuition. But then also there were certain times where during our session, she would say, you know, it's okay to feel that way. And just having sort of that validation and that reflection back to me, that was something that was very new. And that's where I felt a lot of welling of emotions of like, I don't think I've ever heard that, you know, just like, it's okay to feel that. That way. Like, of course you would feel angry. Like, of course you would feel sad. And she commented on how she could tell that I had like done a lot of this work, but she's like, there is this piece of healing in relationships, you know, where you have just someone offer something to you that you didn't have when you needed it growing up. That really stuck with me in thinking, oftentimes when we think of relationships, we think of a romantic relationship, we think of a friendship, we think about a colleague, we think about a mentor. But when I thought about sort of this process of rediscovering trust within myself, I kept saying, like, I felt like I have to ask your permission. Like I have to double check that it's okay that I feel this way, or it's okay that I feel this good, um, which is really what I'm working at. And just hearing like, you know, what is it that happens like right before 
you, you need to ask that permission. And I was like, I kind of turned into a turtle <laughs> and I like retreat back into my shell because I'm like, Oh, is it okay to feel this good? And that's where I felt like I needed to ask for permission. And she was like, that's normal. You know, like it can be scary to feel good if you've never been validated in it's okay to feel good and it's okay to be expansive and have your needs met. And it just, it kind of touched a part of me that I, I really didn't where I hadn't had that support prior to that. What that reminds me of is a lot of work by the holistic psychologists who have pointed out a lot of the things that parents do that sort of created that mindset for their children, you know, especially because as kids, we are more carefree. We have fun with a lot of things. We find amusement in just very little, you know, material. If the parents were miserable in their own lives in different ways and and they don't know how to process it or cope with it they can make their children feel guilty about being happy about about succeeding about you know having things that they never had yeah and and, and I think that that is a really big revelatory thing for me to learn I don't think I experienced it but the funny thing is I always block things out, you know, things that happened in my childhood, it's blocked out completely. So sometimes I was like, no, I never gone through trauma. And then sometimes it pops out of nowhere. And I was like, oh, shit, this is this is a lot to deal with. That's kind of why I blocked it. Yeah, I can definitely relate to that. And what I have learned so much about is the fact that it doesn't necessarily have to be like one inciting incident that like causes this. It's just a repeated denial or a repeated adverse environment or response from a caregiver or someone who's, you know, prominent relationship in a young child's life that is perceived as a threat to the organizing self because it takes a very long time for you to understand who you are as a person, an individual, what your place is in the world. And so much of what you create as part of your reality comes from your caregivers. So it's interesting when you get into these situations of like, oh, I didn't really have that bad of a childhood or like nothing really like big happened to me. And it's like, it doesn't have to, like it could just be these, you know, repeated like, oh, you know, you shouldn't feel that good because I never felt that good. Or, you know, maybe a resentment or a, um, you know, making fun of or a dismissing of, you know, an expression of one's authentic self. And what came out while you were talking was the star reversed, actually. So the star was upright, but it's, it's a corrupted meaning. And oftentimes this talks about a lack of hope or a questioning of faith. And that's where I think this healing and relationship comes in because we have put so much faith in these stories we've told ourselves or the stories that have been passed down to us through our caregivers or society in general that when we kind of get to that like awakening of like, oh, is that true? Like for one, uh, one example, you know, my, my therapist asked me, you know, was there anything that you, that, that comes up when, um, you think about having like expressed your authentic self that made you, you know, kind of turn into a turtle and like shove it back in. And I, I giggled. Cause I was like, 
I mean, I had older brothers, like, of course, you know, when you're the first female in a family and you have two older brothers, like they're going to do what boys do. And I was like, I'm chuckling because right now, like my adult consciousness is like, CJ, why are you letting two little boys opinions like still run your life when you're 36 years old and the therapist reflected back to me like there's that adult like there's the thing that you can trust you have a part of you that still is worried about losing that relationship with your brothers and so that's why you have still sort of adopted this like, oh, it's not safe to be authentic. It's not safe to have my needs met. But the adult in you is like, why the fuck are you letting two little boys, you know, socialized boys as boys to like, still tell you you're not allowed to be authentic, like when you're a grown ass woman. (laughs) That's interesting, but it's super relatable, because I think, especially with interactions with family, we stay in that kind of mindset you know because that's how because that's how we've always been operating and I at the point when you brought up about how you were afraid of losing your relationship to your brother because you feel like if you shift into your authentic self you're losing whatever it is you've built with them or whatever it is approval that they've given you growing up as you fit into whatever they want you to fit in. And I think that is a really important insight. Um, When you brought up questioning of faith, for me, the way that resonates was more for like faith in the future that it's going to be different. Faith in I'm going to break that generational trauma. I'm going to do something different with my life. I'm going to make sure it's not traumatized my child. And having faith that it's gonna be better it's gonna be losing to cynicism and losing to life is bullshit and I should go up to the mountains and become a monk but I do want to mention something that maybe you might find interesting is mercury ruled your 12th and 9th house and I find it to be so lovely that as Mercury is signaling some reevaluation. Your 12th house is mental health, you know, psychological inner world, um, many of things like that. And ninth house is like spiritual exploration, higher learning. So as it went retrograde, you are going into diving into all these learning about your mental health practices and going to therapy for the first time. Like, I think this is phenomenal and I'm super proud of you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I love how you brought up a loss of faith in the future. I forget exactly how you phrased it, but it was like a reassessment of where you go forward from here, like where you go from here. And when I think about the star, you know, in an up in an upright position, that's all about hope. But I like how in order for that hope to be possible, you do have to do that questioning of what is it that you think you know? What is it that you think is the case? Because what I keep learning is that what often keeps me stuck are just my thoughts about the thing. And if we go back to sort of thinking about the five senses and like the five ways of getting your needs met, there's so much more than just our thoughts. There's information that comes from our bodies. There are sensations we have on an emotional level. There is a spiritual connection we may have to something beyond us. And again, this relational piece is such a huge part of it because when we 
have those close relationships in our lives that feel like we will die without because as children, we literally are relying on our caregivers for for sustenance, for life, and we're relying on our immediate family for relational safety. You know, I don't harbor any resentment towards my brothers. Again, like they were just little boys and they were just doing what little boys do. But when I take a moment to step out of that into sort of my adult self, and I'm like, but I've let this pattern sort of rule how I've thought about myself it is really interesting that it's kind of converging at this same time on a celestial plane. Everyone knows this, but the planets do affect us. Like if you have not been an astrology person, you don't have to believe every single thing you read, but I do think it's worthwhile to notice that these cosmic shifts happen on a microcosmic level too. And um, one card that came out while you were talking was the six of wands, which traditionally has to do with triumph and recognition and praise. But when it's corrupted, it can have to do with defeat. It can have to do with shame and it can have to do with hubris. And I always think about shame in terms of healing that relational safety piece, because often what drives the stories we tell ourselves is something around feeling shame in not being good enough or not understanding something or doing something wrong. A lot of the healing comes in when we dismantle and we defeat. The feeling of knowing is what's coming to me right now. Like we don't actually know very much in the grand scheme of things. And what we think we know oftentimes is just some watered down version of what someone else knows and told us at some point in our lives. And I like the idea of using the six of wands in this corrupted position as a chance of like defeating that shame and defeating that hubris and being like, what if I took a moment here and admitted that I don't know myself as well as I think I do, or I don't know how I show up in relationships, or I don't know how my childhood really has affected my current day living life as it is, as well as I think I do. And I think that's a really, it can be a really scary place to be, but that's where having these relationships around us where we feel safe to process and where we have people who can reflect back to us, what's the truth in what they see about us, which again is going to be subjective. And it's coming from their own limited perspective as well. But that's where you you need sort of someone to mirror back to you like, hey, you don't need to be as hard on yourself as you're being. Or, you know, that sounds like that was a really hard situation. Like, would it be okay to just be with the grief in that or the pain in that? And I'm just finding a lot of gratitude for the people in my life where I have that relational safety to feel myself to heal. I love it. I love when we are able to see or have insights into really important information and having the space to be able to process it safely. I think shame is very much a survival thing that embedded in us, you know, this is in our DNA. It's sort of like shame is basically is like you be a part of the pack 
then we can protect you when, you know, the hard times when it comes to like a tiger attacking you and we can do this together, but we have to like agree and like, you know, being in the same space and um, be comfortable with each other. But we are all different and, you know, discomfort is, is very essential for growth. So we have sort of like grown out of, you know, the caveman area. And now we're actually comfortably live in very, we've been able to live in a much safer um, environmentally wise, you know, space. So to confront these, these shame is super important for me. It, it's like the most important thing for me to work on is to put words to it because I have this habit of like, when I go into shame, I, like you said, like turn into a turtle and just sort of just like hide in my own space, not talk to anybody about, about it and sort of not present this image that I'm fine. I can deal with anything. And I do find that I do that in a lot of relationships still, and I'm doing it with my current romantic relationship and it takes two. And I'm grateful to have my partner who knows when I'm in that position just by the sound of my voice and prompt me to put words to whatever it is I'm feeling in the stories I'm telling myself. And I think that it's wonderful that you are interpreting the card as like, it's perfectly okay to not know everything about yourself, about how you deal with the world, about how to deal with the world and just give yourself compassion for, you know, the moments that you feel less safe relationally. As you were talking, my manifestation card jumped out, which is the king of wands. What I'm seeing sort of as a, as a theme in the cards is this idea of mastery in some level, but in order to do that, we have to kind of go through the mud of it, right? Like when you get to the king in any suit, like you've been through it and wands is all about fire and creativity. And it's about doing things new. Also, we know that fire can be very destructive, right? But it always will leave room for new growth. So when I see the king of wands in its normal position, you know, you have a lot about creativity and guidance and leadership. And when it's in this corrupted position, it kind of has to do with paralysis and doubt, which I think can keep us from the liberation that fire can bring and creativity can bring because we've probably been pretty conditioned in our thoughts and in our ways of being that it can feel scary to do something new. But when we take that time to go through the mud of healing, there's always going to be, I think, this lingering sort of paralysis or doubt of like, can I really do this? Like, can I actually kind of level up in my healing? And I think that the messaging is yes, just allow it for it to be a messy process and allow for there to be fits and starts and chances of expansion and contraction and and just normalizing that as part of the process. I think often when we're going on a, a healing journey or, you know, if you take a workshop or if you do a program, you get this idea that, oh, at the end of this time, like I'm going to be fully transformed. And it's like, that's bullshit. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. Like this takes consistent commitment to oneself 
And if we're consistently facing up to that paralysis or that doubt of like, can I really? It's that inner voice. And sometimes that those external relationships that can reflect to us like, yeah, you really can. And that's where I think so much power comes in and so much permission comes in to be what we want to be, as opposed to just doing things the way we've always done them. Where do I start? I have so many things. I love when you start interpreting the aspect of the fire in relation to creativity and starting things, but also in destroying things that do not work and sort of forging a new life approach. And in that process, it's going to have to be very uncomfortable. You know, the process of forging a weapon in any case, like you have to heat it up really 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 hot and you have to like bang on it like there's so much i don't know how to make weapons by the way but you know i that's how i think they do it basically it's like very labor intensive process <laughs> that's just you know it takes commitment it takes like a lot of sweats and probably blood and just many many discomfort on a micro level for me this particular card resonate with the process of how I deal with opening up to shame as my partner, like notice something different in my tone. He'll ask me what's going on. Can you tell me what it is you're telling yourself in that very particular moment? This is what I feel is like, can I really talk about this? Can I really speak to this? Because I feel crazy for thinking these things. But at the same time, I do think um, it's this, this inner conflict. Like I fucking know that this is stupid, but I hold on to them because they make me feel safe in very deceptive ways, obviously. And I love it when you start talking about how the process is going to be messy. It's always going to be messy. And as a Virgo moon, I like things to be in very particular boxes. I want things to be like just smoothly running and instinctually. I know it's going to be messy, so I don't want to bring it up. But it's necessary to go through the mess and just like start putting words into whatever it is that comes to your mind so that you can just like start processing it and play in the mud until, you know, you find the piece of silver. I'm making up stuff right now. This is your new piece of wisdom. Everybody play in the mud until you find the silver. Yeah, I really appreciated that interpretation. I think it's spot on. I love the image of playing in the mud because that is such a playful, childlike wonder that just feels so necessary. My card of the week that I pulled was the Dreamer of Vials, which is equivalent to the Page of Cups. And that is generally a picture of a person holding a cup with like a little fish poking out of it. And it's just such a whimsical, cute card. And I've been curious sort of how it's it's playing out in my life this week. But what you just said about sort of playing in the mud feels so much better than the idea of like wallowing in the mud or like slogging through the mud. It's like, okay, if we're going to go through this process again and again and again, we may as well get messy. We may as well have a little mud bath and just enjoy it as we go because it's going to keep getting us to where we want to go and we're allowed to get messy along the way. 
Um, and the last thing that you said really resonated with me in terms of putting voice to these thoughts. And that was another piece that the therapist brought up, which was, you know, a lot of what we do is just say out loud things that have been in our minds for a while, just so we can hear possibly like how ridiculous it is, how unrealistic it is, how childlike maybe it feels or sounds. Just putting words, I think, can be really powerful because shame is rooted in secrecy. It's rooted in hiding. And if we take those deep-seated beliefs and keep them hidden and buried, they're never going to be able to be dispelled. And this is not to say to air your dirty laundry everywhere. It's not to emotionally dump on people, but what I think the thesis of this conversation is we have to find relational places where it feels safe to talk about these things, to have processors who can help us process these things because shame thrives in secrecy and in scarcity. And once you actually put something under a magnifying glass or bring it out to the light, like it's either going to, you know, shrivel up and die. Like it, it can't help but change, right? Like it could thrive hopefully in a new way, or it's just going to cease to exist, which in both cases feels better than the alternative of just keeping it buried. So find your people, y'all. You know, what just happened in my head is this image of shame being a vampire and you need to put the vampire in the sun or he will live forever in your body forever and ever and ever and maybe just stay in your you know your family generationally until you put light to it like it's, it's just- perfect <laughs> It's perfect. Um, I also need to shout out because I can't not. Big Mouth is one of my favorite animated comedy shows. And they have a shame wizard who shows up when everyone, like all these middle schoolers are having these like deviant thoughts. But I love the image of a shame vampire. Oh, man, I have so much fun just personifying these things so we can conceptualize them and like know how to deal with them a little better. That's very much a Virgo moon thing. It's going to live forever in your body and it's going to suck your blood, (laughs) whatever that means. Alice, what are you grateful for today? I am grateful for this conversation. I'm grateful for a chance to reevaluate. Mercury goes retrograde three, four times a year. I think it's super necessary. It's like we do like spring cleaning. Like we do this four times a year. I'm super grateful for the opportunity to revisit a lot of things that's been done in like different areas of my life, especially right now. um, I'm grateful for an opportunity to explore um, many things creatively and to meet new people and to make new friends and to connect better with my current friends and things like that. I'm grateful for safe spaces in relationships And I'm grateful for the mud that we get to play in. What are you grateful for? I'm also grateful for the mud because I think as I have awoken from my autopilot over the last couple of years, I have reconnected so much with this idea of play and silliness and lightheartedness in comedy. And I feel so liberated to have spaces where 
I can be goofy and I can be silly and I can also cry and I can also deeply connect with people and share what's on my mind in a way that is received and not judged and not dismissed. And I feel a lot of gratitude for my family in having like taught me these things sort of inadvertently, you know, again, not, not placing any resentment or shame or anything there, but just, just realizing that these are all pillars of why I've done things the way I've done them and why I've thought things the way I thought them and felt things the way I felt them and getting a chance to put these things under a microscope and bring them into the light and just really see like, are you going to be a vampire anymore? Or are you going to flourish into something new? I don't know what like the opposite of a vampire would be. I I feel like a sunflower is coming to mind. Like either you're going to stay a blood sucking vampire or you're going to turn into this beautiful sunflower that I can say like, oh, look at that transformation. Um, Just feels like a privilege to be able to do that. And I'm grateful to be able to do it with you, Alice. Well, wonderful. I love this episode, by the way. I'm super grateful for our listeners that's been along with us thus far. We can't wait to make more of these content and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening. You can reach us at celestialsmalltalk at gmail.com and on Instagram at celestialsmalltalk. Please listen, like, review, share, grow, learn, and love. Until next time.